This is Bless You Boys Podcast 80, recorded Thursday, July 11th, 2013. Beanball shenanigans. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Welcome to the Bless You Boys Podcast. We're the editorial staff of BlessYouBoys.com. SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog discusses the past week and change of Detroit Tigers baseball. I'm your host. I'm also co-managing editor of Bless You Boys, Al Beaton. Your normal uh, editors who are uh, normally join us uh, on the podcast, well, they have other things to do. Allison is with her rock star internet boyfriend. Uh, I think it's a birthday thing uh, with Craig. And, and Kurt is busy running the mothership, uh, SBNation.com. Because of that, we bring in our super sub, the Brandon Inge of Bless You Boys podcast, and that is Mr. Ian Castleberry of numerous sites on the Internet, which he will tell us about shortly. Ian, welcome back. It's been a while. Hey, it's great to be back. I, I, I love being the substitute teacher. You know, Hopefully <laughs> nobody's uh, uh, throwing spitwads behind me when I turn my back. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always... Uh, Always grateful to talk uh, on the podcast with you. Well, do you prefer being called the Brandon Inge or the Don Kelly of the show? I, I'll go with Brandon Inge. You know, you know Ann Arbor guys. Uh, I, I don't have those cat contact lenses <laughs> that he was sporting the other day, but uh, nor do I have uh, my niece's tat- name tattooed on my arm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll go. I'll go with Inge. You know, just uh, an old standby. Uh, well, we'll call you Ian Baseball, like we like to call Donnie Donnie Baseball, but. <laughs> All right, that does uh, not have a ring to it. <laughs> Hurt Ian Baseball. Where can we find you online these days? I know you're in, in a few different places. Yeah, uh, I'm writing for uh, the Outside Corner, uh, Blogland's uh, baseball site, um, OutsideCorner.com. Right in there. Well, I, I write two columns a week, but I've been uh, contributing uh, more uh, mm-hmm. daily newsy type posts. Um, and uh, one of these weeks uh, in July, we're going to start up a pop culture site called the uh, AP Party, um, which I, I guess is supposed to mean, you know, like advanced placement, like the smart, cool ah, kids. I, I was going to ask. Okay. Well, it was either that or, I, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but it was either that or like TPS reports, I think was the other mm-hmm. name uh, Ben Koo was uh, was uh, tossing around. But uh, I think the AP Party we thought was uh, uh, inclusive or, or, you know, it was broad enough, I should say. Yeah. Um, and... You know, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense, but <laughs> but yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, writing some uh, non-baseball stuff, getting into some uh, movies and TV, since uh, I watch a lot of that stuff, too. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing your pop culture takes at, uh, well, I'll put it this way, I guess they had to go with AP as AV Club's already been taken by the Onions, so... But uh, Ben Koo does good stuff over there at Blogwin, so I am, I'm sure it'll be a very entertaining site, and I'm, I'm looking forward to what you have to say, Ian. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Hopefully next week we'll, oh. we'll roll out. All right, and, of course, where are you on Twitter? Uh, Ian Cass. That's I-A-N-C-A-S-S. Taking on the uh, the broccoli lobby this week. <laughs> I, I caught that. Yeah, what was the story? You, you got re- you were, you're like uh, some sort of... Uh, one of your tweets was at, was a milestone type tweet that that the broccoli lobby uh, caught to. 
Yeah, you know, well, the, you uh, you and, and the listeners probably know, like, there was a, sort of a mini uproar on Twitter when uh, President Obama said that broccoli was his favorite food. Lying through his teeth, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, you know, so there's all these broccoli tweets, and finally, uh, you know, I mean, I, this was like hours afterwards, I made a joke mm-hmm. that I was eating uh, cauliflower for dinner, which I really was, uh, the mm-hmm. white broccoli. <laughs> So then there's there was this uh goof uh Twitter account uh called the Broccoli Growers um that that uh responded back saying, you know, we don't approve of your meal choice or or something mm-hmm. like that. And so we were just kind of going back and forth. And then I noticed, yeah, that, that I I noticed I'd been inching toward 20,000 tweets. So you know, I I wanted the 20,000th mm-hmm. one to be, you know, <laughs> I don't know, special or I mean, you know, just kind of memorable. Yeah. But then during this exchange with uh, broccoli growers, I noticed that I passed uh, uh, twenty thousand tweets. So that that was that was a little bit disappointing. But you know, I guess you know, hey, I got a story out of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, think of it this way. I guess it's kind of like a car rolling over a hundred thousand and you miss it. You, you just wasted your twenty thousand tweet arguing with the broccoli lobby. lobby exactly. <laughs> yeah. Great comparison. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's get away from uh, talking about broccoli and uh, things of that sort, and let's get into bless you boys, Detroit Tigers baseball. And well, honestly, we you know there shouldn't be a lot to complain, but people will anyway. This team is doing pretty darn well. Uh, they're two and a half games up. We're recording this, by the way, uh, Thursday night, uh, Thursday night, uh, July 11th, after the Tigers just lost a series to the White Sox, who had a lot of fireworks happen in the game, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Regardless of that, the Tigers came off a great 7-4 and road trip. Uh, and, you know, they've gotten off to a rough start in the homestand, but they only have three games left of the All-Star break. Odds are this team is going to be in first place at the All-Star break, have 51-53 to wins, and, you know, be, you know, be in pretty darn good shape overall. But, Ian, the problem with this team, many people, I, I even heard this, uh, like, on the radio here all the time, you know, especially sports talk, and there's a lot of fans and even people in the media who believe the Tigers should have the best record in baseball because of their pitching staff, because of the division they play in, because of Cabrera and Fielder. Yet when you look at the numbers, they're, I believe they're ninth overall uh, record-wise in baseball, and they have the fifth-best record in the AL. And I know their, uh, the run differential they have shows that they should have a much better record as well. But in the big scheme of things, isn't don't you think this is a, kind of much ado about nothing? This team is still in very good shape. And some of this is just coming off bitching for the sake of sake of bitching. Yeah, uh, you know, th- this is kind of who this team is. I mm-hmm. think. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, we're kind of in the third year uh, in, in a row, the third consecutive season where they, they've kind of uh, I don't want to say cruised through the first half. Yeah. But they they seem to have even with the additions they've made uh, in the past two off seasons. This sort of seems to be a team that think they can turn it on uh, in, in the second half. Mm-hmm. They sort of remind me of the Pistons in that way. I mean, ah. obviously, baseball being much different from from basketball, but uh, you know, the, the Indians I think are, are 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 obviously vastly improved. Maybe playing over their heads a little bit, so they were going to mount a challenge. But mm-hmm. if you know, if, if we're still talking about this, you know, like in uh, late July, then mm-hmm. maybe I would be a little bit concerned. But I I think this is another uh, instance where after the All Star break, you know, they, they they get those four days off, kind of kind of reset, and uh, I think that they're still in good shape. I mean, it, it certainly is better to be in first place than not to be. Um, Indeed. 
I, I tend to agree with the fans who think, you know, that this should be the best team in the American League, uh, if not the best team in baseball. I mean, I don't know about you. I think the Cardinals are the best team in baseball. Yeah. Um, just not not only in terms of record, but in terms of, of roster, everyday lineup, pitching staff, bullpen, et cetera. But, I mean, it, you look at the standings. I mean, I think I think the Tigers are a better team than the Red Sox, Rays. Um, I think they're a better team than the Rangers or, or the A's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you'd like to see the record reflect that. But baseball is kind of becoming this, this sport where, you know, obviously they're very uh, fortunate to play in the Central Division. But baseball is sort of becoming one of those sports, much like uh, the NBA and the NHL, where the important thing is to make the playoffs, not necessarily to, uh, you know, run out to uh, the best uh, record in your league. I mean, when it comes down to seeding, as we saw last year, you know, that that's an important consideration, of course. But, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't sweat too much. It sounds like you're not either. No, nah, not really. And and a lot of teams you brought up, the Tigers have beat so far head-to-head. So, uh, like they just took 304 from uh, from Cleveland. And, and that obviously that's what made the road trip so, so great. But uh, in this division especially, there's not a team in this division that scares me at all. I mean, uh, uh, even though the White Sox did take two of three, I think that was just one of those fluky, uh, some you know, series. Especially we see that with Tigers, you know, sometimes these things happen because their offense at times just seems to be a little runs hot and cold, so to speak. But at this time last year, the Tigers were in a lot worse shape. I, uh, I looked this up yesterday when I was put it as part of a recap. Um, at this time last year, the Tigers, I believe, were three, three and a half games out, only a couple games over 500, and they were in first place. And they had just recently gotten themselves over 500 at that point. So uh, this, they're going to be in fine shape at the at the All Star break. But uh, and I think you do make a good point, Ian, about which at this point it's really just about making the playoffs. I don't care if they win, you know, 81 games as long as it's enough to get them into the playoffs. Because with this rotation, uh, no one's going to want to play these guys and. Uh, that kind of brings up, uh, you kind of go off on a tangent here, you know, as, you know talking about you know, having such talent in this team. I think people are forgetting, Ian, that there has been a, a fair amount of adversity the Tigers have had to play through this year. Specifically, Justin Verlander got all out of kilter mechanics-wise. Annabelle Sanchez got hurt. Looks like he still may not be completely right. Uh, there's been the uh, the bullpen debacle, <laughs> to say the very least. Oh, half, half the guys he depended to have in the bullpen didn't come through, uh, such as... Uh, Rondon, uh, Villarreal, uh, Albuquerque, Albuquerque, exactly, who still is just, uh, he is what he is. You just don't know what he's going to be from game to game. Uh, let alone there's, they lost out Alex Avila for two weeks, and, and he's not hitting at all. So there's been a lot of things that this team has had to fight through in the first half that may sort themselves out in the second half, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, other than, uh, you know, Miguel Cabrera's obviously having an outstanding season, uh, you know, fighting for uh, his second straight uh, Triple Crown AL MVP. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Davis, obviously, also putting up really good numbers. Had an outstanding uh, first half of the season for Max Scherzer. And uh, Johnny Peralta and Torrey Hunter have all, have all played well. But, I mean, yeah, you know, Austin Jackson was out for a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. Left field hasn't really gotten straightened out. Victor Martinez ha- has been uh, streaky. Uh, and, you know, you pointed out Avila has been kind of a, a black hole as far as hitting. Uh, this season, so you, you, I, I don't look at their team and say, and say you know, if everybody was hitting well mm-hmm. and everybody was pitching well, um, I, I think you know you would see the Tigers run out maybe to, to uh, the, the best record in baseball and, and, and live up to the talent um, that we all think they have. 
but uh, you know, yeah, as you as you point out, you know, with with a couple of exceptions, uh, I, I don't think this team has really played at, at its best yet. Yeah, exactly. And look, I didn't even bring up uh, Omar uh, Omar Infante uh, missing time, which uh, we'll get into a little bit as to uh, when we kind of get into the shenanigans portion of the podcast. <laughs> and I guess we're kind of kind of leads to the shenanigans portion of the podcast because that happened again today. The Tigers uh, seem to really be getting into every one they play, at least in the last few series. Uh, the Rays, which we'll talk about uh, Rick Porcello essentially gaming MLB. Uh, then the Blue Jays and the, the slide that took out Omar Infante, which got the Tigers ire up. And now today with the White Sox with a, it looks like I really think it was an accidental pitch of Chris Sale to Prince Fielder, which ended up resulting in Jim Leland and Luke Buconin being ejected in a huge mess. Uh, so, Ian, do you think the Tigers may be getting a little too caught up in all this? It really, you know, it, it sure didn't help today against the White Sox. And, uh, it, 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 it almost cost him Rick Porcello a start, and I would not be surprised to see Jim Leland get himself suspended for a few games for his actions today. So don't you find that maybe uh, there's there's a line between defending the other, you know, your teammates and maybe overreacting? Do you think maybe the Tigers have gone over to the overreacting <clears throat> side of this at this point? I think so. I mean, uh, maybe you know, watching them uh, at bat to, to at bat, you know, maybe uh, Cabrera and, and Fielder especially are getting uh, mm-hmm. pitched a little tighter, uh, a little more inside than uh, uh, they would like to see. But you know, I, I think this is a problem throughout baseball that I think hitters are just way too sensitive about getting pitched inside now. Um, you know, p- pitchers do have uh, uh, the right to, to the, you know the inside part mm-hmm. of the plate. Um, and occasionally, some of those pitches uh, uh, get away from from uh, from those guys, as we saw, I think, today with uh, Chris Sale and Prince Fielder. But um, yeah, I, I think they're getting uh, caught up in that a little bit. Maybe you know, there's a little, you know, Cabrera's uh, coming off uh, an MVP season. Fielder, mm-hmm. you know, one of the highest paid players in baseball, so they're big targets, and so maybe they're I- I- inviting that uh, from teams, you know, and. Especially a team like the Blue Jays, you know, they they turn their season around after you know just a, a, an abysmal start. So maybe they have a little bit of a of a chip on their shoulder and, and think uh, they have to do some things uh, mm-hmm. uh, to, to try and intimidate the other team. You know, Colby Rasmus, we'll, we'll talk about later. I mean, I think he's generally considered one of the knuckleheads in baseball. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I think that has to be taken into consideration as well. Um, but uh, yeah, th- th- this is just baseball. The, the Tigers, uh, uh, I suppose, ha- have as much a right as anybody to to uh, protect themselves if if they think they're getting uh, uh, tr- trying to be intimidated. Uh, but yeah, th- th- today's game just seemed like a massive overreaction, really, to me. Yeah, it's uh, and I did find it interesting that Jim Leland recused himself from talking to the media after today's game. Uh, I have a feeling it may have something to do with what he said after the Rays game uh, ended up blowing up to the point where it got Rick, Rick Porcello suspended. If if Jim Leland doesn't give the, you know, you can take that to the bank, we, that's not acceptable speech, uh, <laughs> Rick Porcello's purpose pitch may not have caught as much attention from MLB as it, as it did because they knew Jim Leland essentially had threatened retribution. So you think maybe that had something to do with that today? That's a great point. Yeah, Leland certainly didn't uh, help the situation with, with his comments um, after the game. But you know, if, if he really did have a uh, a, a big problem with, with the whole plate umpire 
um, in Thursday's game, Chad Fairchild. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- that's not something. You know, if, if he's going to go complain about to the, that to the press, I mean, that's just going to draw uh, a fine and suspension from from baseball. He, you know, Leland's not going to win that mm-hmm. that situation. I mean, he might say some things that you know everybody would want him to say. Um, certainly, you know, I, I think it's it's a uh, it, it doesn't do the media any favors when he refuses to talk. Um, but I, I think you're. I, I think you hit it. I, I think he, uh, he he got uh, got Porcello and maybe himself into a little bit of trouble. Maybe mm-hmm. um, kind of put a little bit of a target um, over their head um, with, with all the other things that they've gotten into lately. Um, so yeah, probably better just to uh, be quiet and uh, you know think about the All Star break maybe. Yeah, and I did find it uh, interesting that in the post game today. Uh, compared to what happened in the race series, that uh, when uh, the media asked Luke Pukkonen if he was what he was, if he was throwing at him or what had happened, he said, "I was." He actually said, "I had just got away from me," and uh, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. And then Brian, I'm going to spend more time with my family. Yeah, <laughs> and and then it was even funnier is uh, Brian Payne to the catcher said, "I was try- I was setting up inside." <laughs> so, you know, so I think the Tigers have learned their lesson after what happened in Tampa, and that they aren't going to they play, they're going to play the dumb card. You know, they're playing. Yeah, dumb. you can be too honest sometimes. Yeah, so it made for a good laugh, and everybody knows what they were saying. But you know, it was just one of those things. But that still, regardless of that, uh, do you, do you, I don't know how much you saw of today's uh, brouhaha, Ian, but. It really, to me, looked like the umpires really handled this situation badly. Uh, even Chris Sale admitted that the pitch to fielder, you know, he claimed it was accidental. He said it really looked bad because it came immediately after uh, Miguel Cabrera had hit a home run off of him. Uh, at that point, you would think, you know, a high and tight pitch at, a, at an all-star player after the previous all-star player goes yard on you, you would think the umpires would kind of want to take control of the situation right there, no matter what, and maybe issue a warning or do something to kind of simmer things down. But they just let them let them go, let them play, which left the Tigers an opening to retaliate in the following inning. So, and then they, I, I think they screwed up by not throwing out Alexi Ramirez, who I think is the person who really escalated the entire situation by deciding to. Uh, he didn't charge the mound, but he, he started uh, taking steps toward the mound. Um, and he didn't get tossed. Luke Pukkonen did get tossed, and I think that's what set Jim Leland off because he put on a hell of a display of umpire baiting for about five ten minutes. So, do you think the umpires? I think. Uh, do you think the umpires were the people who were really at fault uh, in today's fracas? Yeah, I don't think they handled this situation well at all. I, mean, I did not see the, the pitch from uh, Sale two fielder, but you know we talked uh, before uh, we began recording that you mm-hmm. know you, you thought that. Uh, it really did get away from uh, Sale. You could see it in his body language uh, that he was more upset with himself. But, uh, you know, I think right there, yeah, the umpire could, could issue a warning to both dugouts, which kind of says, okay, you know, enough of this. If you're going to try and retaliate, you know, you've gotten your warning, you'll get ejected. So for, for uh, Pukkonen to get ejected without a warning mm-hmm. uh, certainly what set uh, Jim Leland off. But I, I completely agree with you that Alexei Ramirez – uh, escalated the situation. I mean, if he just walks to first base and maybe, you know, he gives a stare or, or whatever, does his little pimp walk uh, to, to uh, first base, I, I think this is okay. But the fact that he, like you said, he didn't charge the mound, but he certainly took several steps toward uh, toward the mound and, and, and caused uh, 
Pena to, to uh, stop him and get in between uh, him and Pekonen. I mean, th- that just completely uh, ignited, uh, you know, the, the benches clearing uh, situation. And he absolutely should have been ejected. I don't understand why why he wasn't either. Yeah, and I think the umpires knew it, or they realized that they handled this badly because they really let Leland go over the top in his arguing before throwing him <laughs> out. Uh, I don't think uh, they would have tolerated it quite so much if uh, if they thought they were in the right. So that may have been, I won't call it an apology, but it might have been the, the umpire's way of saying, yeah, we screwed up, let us have it. Yeah, you can't really take back an ejection, can you? Eh, yeah. you're right, Jim. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> are bad. But, uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting uh, observation. You know, I, I would have loved to uh, hear, hear that uh, conversation. You know, of course, mm-hmm. if Leland had talked to the press after the game, maybe we have, would have gotten some insight. But, uh, you know what, maybe I, I don't think it's it's completely uh, uh, difficult to imagine that, that mm-hmm. Leland may have been uh, kind of protecting the umpires a little bit, too, if yeah. they admitted their mistakes. You know, I don't. I don't think he wants to embarrass anybody, and unless you know he's just completely furious. But if he right. if he heard what he wanted to hear, then maybe he said, okay, yeah, you know, we don't need to publicize this and cause any more trouble. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, but let me ask you this: Do you buy anything into the getting yourself thrown out to fire up the teams? I kind of, I tend to think that's kind of. Uh, we're talking professional ball players, and that stuff really doesn't fly. But you do see fans really just seem to really get into that kind of stuff, and they fall in love with managers who pull stunts like they did today. But uh, I really don't buy into that at all, especially with a veteran team like the Tigers. Exactly. With, with a veteran team, I, I don't think that uh, Leland's thinking that at all. You know, with a young team, or if you know this was Leland's first year in Detroit, and you know he wants to show everybody his players that. He has their backs, you know. Then maybe uh, uh, that's a situation where he's trying to fire up his team. A, a veteran team like this, I, I, they don't need uh, any sort of motivation like that. I think Leland, you know, even if he tried and claimed to, to the players later that that's what he was trying to do, I think that would just kind of raise an eyebrow in the clubhouse, you know, that, that is just not necessary. Yeah, it's uh, in, in this case, I think it's safe to say Jim Leland was legitimately pissed off. <laughs> he was not trying to light a fire under anybody other than the umpires. So, which I think is one reason why so many people are disappointed that he didn't talk to the press after the game because he was supremely pissed off Jim Leland. Oh, yeah, yeah, incredibly quotable Jim Leland. Yeah, I was all ready to add a bunch of Jim Leland quotes to the to the uh, recap, and I was sorely disappointed when they announced that he had uh, was not going to speak to the media because I was expecting, I don't know if I was expecting fire and brimstone, but I was at least expecting. Snarky, mean Jim Leland to come out. As you said, that's always he's always a quote machine when he's like that. But oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say this. Also, since we're talking about uh, shenanigans and uh, and peep and pull, uh, well, put it this way, I think Rick Porcello kind of pulled a shenanigan uh, on Major League Baseball. He he's essentially dodged the his suspension resulting from the altercation in Tampa. Uh, by drop by essentially dragging it out and then dropping the appeal, uh, it really looks like the Tigers worked this to perfection. They waited until the nearly the All Star break for Porcel to drop the appeal. It looks like it's been reduced to five games, and the Tigers were going to rejuggle their rotation for the start of the second half anyway, which means Rick Porcello is not going to miss a start. Um, what's interesting about this is that M Live's Chris Iatt, the, the beat writer for the Tigers, he makes a case that this is a loophole that really needs to be closed. That MLB, to their infinite wisdom, once again, bungled something. Uh, 
So what, what's your take on this, Ian? Do you think uh, this was smart thinking, a smart play by the Tigers, or was there a little bit of MLB just being dumb? No, I think uh, the Tigers game the situation uh, the, the way that the, the rules allow. I mean, pitcher suspensions are, are always kind of a joke anyway, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, a starting pitcher, you can suspend him uh, six games. You know, Is that going to cost him just one start? Is it going to cost him two? You know, unless you, for a pitcher, unless, unless you're going to start uh, leveling, you know, uh, double-digit suspensions. I mean, you know, give a guy... Ten games, yes, uh, or, or you know, then that really makes it hurt. Uh, you know, he, he missed a couple of starts, but I don't think uh, Porcello's uh, infraction really uh, warranted that sort of penalty. Um, you know, he, th- this wasn't a situation where uh, you know he, he hit somebody in the head or mm-hmm. or uh, you know deliberately uh, ignited a brawl. You know, this wasn't. Um, I'm trying to think of the. This wasn't Ian Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, the Diamondbacks uh, uh, deliberately throwing at a guy, and, and you know he has that sort of reputation to begin with. Um, so I think this is just kind of clever uh, uh, by the by the Tigers. Um, Chris brings up a, a good point, I suppose that uh, you know this is a loophole that the Tigers took advantage of. But um, I, I don't know if uh, his, his proposal that you know starting pitchers have to serve their suspension. Uh, yeah. Right before the All Star break or after it, I, I just you know the rules don't don't uh, allow for that. I mean the rules are better than they used to be. You know yeah. you remember in the old days when you would appeal suspension and mm-hmm. you know the, <clears throat> the appeal wouldn't be heard until your team uh, went to New York. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to, to go to, to uh, the MLB offices, so that always seemed to give you know the Yankees uh, and the Mets an advantage uh, in that regard. So uh, yeah, I, I just I, the Tigers look clever here. Porcello I think looks clever here. Uh, how do you see it? I'm I'm I find I'm with you that because once this is a very rare situation where a suspension falls right before the All Star break. How often does that really happen anyway? No wonder there's not a rule for it because it very rarely happens. And I'm with you. If you want to make pitchers pay uh, and miss a start, you got to make it a double digit length uh, suspension, pure and simple. Uh, you know, you that's the only way to handle it because as we found out, it can be gamed. But uh, so I'm with the Tigers. They they gamed this perfectly. You know, to, to steal a a line from stock car racing, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. I wouldn't call this <laughs> cheating, but this is pretty much extending the envelope of the rules to your extreme advantage while not breaking them. Uh, you know, they they did this to the letter of the law. And in Major League Baseball, you know, if, if they couldn't see it coming, well, you know, that's their damn fault. But I don't. It's a loophole, yeah, but I thought, and I think this is just a loophole that would happen so rarely that I really don't see uh, the reason to close it. Yeah, uh, like you said, how often does this happen? So does, mm-hmm. does MLB really need to change the rules just to address a, a fluke situation? You know, maybe if suddenly we had a, we happen to have a bunch of situations like mm-hmm. this around the All Star break, or if uh, I don't know, it's hard to imagine that this would. Um, I mean, of course, it could factor into uh, the pennant race later on. Yeah. But you know, in July, directly uh, at this point of the season, it, it's difficult to make that argument. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a, it's a coincidence. It just happened to work out this way, mm-hmm. and, and the Tigers took advantage of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and not as if you couldn't see this coming, because almost every article that you read about. Uh, the situation for Sella. I mean, even uh, at Bless You Boys, we even brought this up that uh, when the suspension came down, is that if the Tigers play this right, 
they might be able to get him to serve the suspension during the all you know, with the all star break right in the middle and they're and they're and uh, they're golden and that's exactly what happened. So I see more power to the Tigers, pure and simple. Yeah, you know this is. Uh, Oh, we don't want to keep going on about this, but no, I worry. actually have less of a problem with what the Tigers did. Now you look at what Matt Harvey and the Mets are doing, mm-hmm. where uh, you know they're skipping a turn in his in his rotation, basically, so he can start the All Star game. Oh yeah, at City Field. Now you know they, they the Mets are making the argument that okay, you know we're going to watch his innings, we're going to mm-hmm. trim him here and there so they don't run into a situation like uh, the Nationals did with uh, Steven Strasburg last year. And I think that's legitimate too. But I mean, clearly, this is about uh, Harvey starting the All Star game at City Field, you know, which is going to be the highlight of the season for the Mets. Yeah, I have much more of a problem with that than mm-hmm. uh, any sort of uh, shenanigans or loopholes that the Tigers are exploring here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, in in the big scheme of things, this isn't affecting um, really. It's not changing. Uh, I'll put it this way: It's not affecting the fans like 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 Harvey being pulled from a start is, and you know it, it more it, it 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 just worked out the way it worked out. And if MLB couldn't see it coming, you know shame on them, pure and simple. All right, uh, again with the shenanigans uh, line of thinking here, we have to talk about Colby Rasmus is what he did in Toronto, uh, trying to break up a double play. Colby Rasmus took a very late slide, knocked Omar Infante out of commission. He actually knocked him out of the game at the time. Looked like he was just going. Originally, it was just called um, a, a contusion of the of the shin, but it turned out to be much more than that. As Omar Infante ended up on the disabled list for 15 days, he's on there right now. This is the question on this. A lot of people called it, it uh, well called it a dirty play. A lot of people just called it as a hard slide. He wasn't. It wasn't an attempt to injure. He, you know, it's just, you know, you see it happen quite often. And the play people would point out to, to people, the Tigers fans was, what about the, the Andy Dirk slide in September of last year that broke up a double play against Kansas City that led to them winning a, a big game late in the season? They, they said that that slide was similar. So what's your call on this, Ian? Colby Rasmus. Uh, I know before the before the show you called him a knucklehead, uh, which we I, I agree with. But was this a dirty slide or just a hard play? Well, first of all, I mean, I, I'm not opposed to takeout slides at all. I mean, yeah. I, it's one of my favorite plays in baseball. Even if, you know, you see plays where uh, maybe a guy went a little bit out of the baseline and, and went toward the the infielder, I, I think that's 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 acceptable. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, a, it's a clean play. But this, like you said, Rasmus slid late. He had his spikes up high. I mean, it really looked like he was trying to, to uh, really do some damage yeah. uh, to Infante, and and uh, yeah, I think it was a dirty play. Um, just just from the way, I mean, I, I watched the re- the replay a couple times now, um, and again, I, I would just point to the fact that uh, his his spikes are, are extended up high. I mean, if, if they were down in the dirt, if he slid late, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's something you could just kind of okay. Yeah, he, he, it was a takeout slide, so yeah, maybe he's going to slide a little bit later so he can uh, affect the throw. But the fact that he was going in spikes high, you know, Ty Cobb would have been proud of that slide. <laughs> I think. Yeah, uh, that's I, that's the one thing that bothered me about uh, that play is uh, not so much that well he did slide very very late in that he didn't even come down until he was on the other side of the bag, but the spikes high and that's what ultimately what. Uh, 
hurt Infante, that's what bothers me. You can't go in. You can't slide like that, period. I, I, that, that there alone makes it dirty. If, as you put it, if Ty Cobb approves, you're doing something <laughs> wrong, pure and simple. And, uh, and, and in this case, though, I think the Tigers handled it the right way in that the next game, you know, they, they voiced their opinion. They, they thought it was the dirty slide. The next game, they didn't plunk them. They just, uh, he, they just got them on an 0 for 4. So that, I think it all kind of worked out that way. But uh, it was – I think we're both in agreement on this one. Uh, this It was a dirty slide, and I, he should, it may, I don't know if he should have been suspended or not, but there should have been at least a fine involved there for going in with the spikes like that. And for the people that compared it to the Andy Dirk slide, it was, it's no, it was nowhere near as vicious of a slide. Dirks went in not nearly as late. He went. With, he didn't have his leg up in the air, and it was. It was a. That's I would call the definition of a hard slide, not a dirty slide. I don't know if you would agree with that, Ian. No, that's baseball. Yeah. Right there. I mean, it's. It, it looks bad, you know, when you see a guy flip over mm-hmm. or whatnot. But I mean, it, it's it's a uh, much like a, a collision at home plate. You know, if a guy's going in shoulder first and absolutely wipes them out it, it looks like a dirty play you know like if you see like what happened with buster posey a couple yeah. of years ago but um that's that's an acceptable play uh in baseball i mean i think it does say something that the tigers didn't retaliate the next day mm-hmm. even if they had an issue with uh uh rasmus going in spikes high i mean the, i i think they just had a hard takeout slide at, at second base uh, that that's that's the way the game's played yeah and there's and there's different levels of that and uh, you know, if you want to talk, you know, and it all comes down to what side of the fence you're on, because one of the uh, legendary plays for the Tigers in 1987 was when Bill Madlock went in with an absolute body block and knocked uh, Tony Fernandez, the, the Blue Jays shortstop, who was having a great year out for the season in the last two weeks of the year with a, you know, taking him out of second base by just crashing into him. Yeah. So the Tigers fans looked like that and felt, oh, what a great play. Blue Jays would look at it and say, "You just cost us the pennant by with a dirty slide." I'm trying to think of the play. Was it in, in 2006 or 2007? I can't even remember who it was, but I remember taking out Kaz Matsui when he played for the White Sox at second mm-hmm. base, and that was just like a, a pivotal yeah. play uh, in that series. And I think really uh, for the season uh, mm-hmm. for, for the Tigers. I and mean, sometimes, you know, you talked about Jim Leland. Uh, trying to get ejected to get his team fired up. Sometimes you need to make a play like that yeah. uh, to, to try and, and fire fire your team up. I'm not saying that's what Rasmus was trying to do, but I think in, in many instances uh, that's exactly what's happening. You know, there's a fine line there. Rasmus crossed it. Hopefully he, he learned a lesson and won't do it again. But uh, at least the Tigers are deep enough to uh, to be able to make up for the absence of Ofante. Uh, Hernan Perez is more than more than capable defensively, and amazingly enough, Ramon Santiago has hit well enough uh, since Infante's got hurt. The Leafs carried a slack somewhat, but uh, the Tigers do need Infante back. They can't they don't they can't afford to lose him for a significant amount of time because he has really solidified uh, the left the right side of the infield for the Tigers. And, and, and Ian, although a lot of people thought last year that the Infante pickup. Was you know kind of not I wouldn't call it a throw-in, but maybe just kind of well you know he you know he could probably be a nice placeholder at second base and Sanchez was the uh, was the centerpiece of the trade, but getting Omar Infante has has really that was a, that was a steal for the Tigers you know as well as, you know as well as um, uh, you know as it 
uh, is uh, Jacob. Oh God, and I'm drawing Jacob a Turner. Jacob Turner is pitching now for for uh, Miami. Uh, the Tigers plugged two major holes with this trade, and a big reason why is Omar Infante is playing great for the Tigers. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, uh, Anibal Sanchez was the shiny gem of that trade, mm-hmm. but the Tigers had to plug that hole at second base. I mean, it was just a, a, such a, a, a black hole for them in the lineup, both offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Omar Infante, you know, a far better player than uh, the one uh, the Tigers traded away for, for Jack Jones years ago. Yeah. Um, so that that was maybe even more important than getting uh, another uh, top starting pitcher to fill that second base. Uh, not not just for last season, but mm-hmm. this season as well. I agree, and, and you know this is something I'm sure you're going to talk about if you haven't already or written about it. Bless you, boys, is making sure that the Tigers bring Infante back after next after this season. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much a no brainer, and uh, it's uh, I mean. I, you know he's still relatively young enough where I think they can still get a couple of decent years out of him before he starts to uh, really start to tail off like a Placido Polanco or you know as, as badly as that went down at the time Placido Polanco has never been the same player since he left Detroit so the Tigers timed that perfectly with Polanco hopefully they can do the same thing with Omar Infante. Yeah, I mean you you don't want to be uh, you don't want to anticipate that decline too early, right? right. Which I think was the worry with uh, Placido Polanco. You know, you, you don't want to say, okay, Infante's getting older, and then you let him go, and he has two to three uh, more solid seasons for another team. Yeah, I mean, you look at, at Polanco, that that, that decision, um, I, I liked that decision at the time. I defended it. I thought, you know, they had a, a prospect ready in Scott Sizemore. Polanco's skills had declined, uh, you know, over the, the, the past couple seasons before that. That was the right decision. Infante is not that at that stage of his career yet. Yeah, it's uh, but uh, he's he really has outplayed what I thought he was going to bring to the Tigers. And I, I remember a few years ago, Ian, when he made the All Star team as a Brave, and I, I was like, "What the hell is going yeah. on in the National League?" And well, now I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, before we move on to a couple all-star topics, uh, we got to get on to at least a little, I don't want to call it depressing, let's call it a little disturbing uh, stuff in regard to the biogenesis scandal, if you want to call it that. Uh, the latest on this is ESPN reported a couple days ago that 20 players, you know, the, the usual suspects, along with Johnny Peralta, who was at least, was his name was found in documents, were, will be suspended for uh, 100 games and the, the big quote was, post-All-Star break. There was no real date given by ESPN. It was just, post-All-Star break, the hammer was going to come down on the uh, Ryan Bronze and the Alex, uh, Alex Rodriguez's of the world. Today, the reports are, there's neither the severity nor the timeline has been set by Major League Baseball, essentially saying ESPN's leak may have been a little premature. And yeah, it definitely was a leak. I just, who knows where it's coming from. So, what are your thoughts on this right now, Ian? Uh, I, you know, I, I know you, I don't want to go into the due process thing of this, but it's really bothering me that a lot of these guys are being essentially railroaded for not failing tests, but just for the suspicion that they might be taking something, even though there's no tangential proof other than the shady characters of biogenesis and these documents, these mysterious documents that uh, no one's really sure what they say, other than the people at the Miami New Times and, you know, 
uh, you know, maybe the myogenesis people who are trying to save their own skins. But uh, this this really reeks to me in of a witch hunt by Major League Baseball, uh, specifically towards Ryan Braun, and I think it's going to end up maybe sweeping a whole bunch of other players with it who may not be deserving. Yeah, all along I, I, I've wondered just, how you know what, what does biogenesis have here i mean it, it, you know that miami new times report maybe they didn't run everything they had but basically you had tony bosch uh writing names down mm-hmm. in a yeah. notebook but you know you didn't have any uh invoices or phone numbers or email or any so called yeah, uh, dirty gun. fringes that's the thing right yeah you know you, you didn't have anybody who who claimed uh that, that they administered these peds uh, so it just all seems circumstantial uh, to begin with. Um, maybe Tony Bosch has something. I mean, Major League Baseball seems to think that Tony Bosch has something now that Bosch is cooperating with the investigation, that he has something, whether it's phone numbers or, or something, that, that can uh, they can point to and say, okay, we got you, Ryan Braun, we got you, Alex Rodriguez. But I, I've just the way Major League Baseball has gone um, about this, I cannot remember his name, but there's somebody else who mm-hmm. uh, worked at the Biogenesis Clinic uh, that, that you know baseball is trying to get in touch with. Right. Um, they've paid for evidence. Yeah. Uh, which I, I think it just has to raise an eyebrow. Um, but yeah, overall, this is about this looks to be about baseball just being sore that that Braun. Beat this testing system. Well, you know whether you think he he really uh, took PEDs or not. I mean, he did test positive for them, and he right. got off on you know it's not a technicality, but he you know he he did you know baseball did not follow, or I'm sorry, the the, the person who collected the the sample did not follow proper procedure. Right. And th- those procedures have to be uh, uh, sterling, you know, for this mm-hmm. testing system to work. So. Braun uh, uh, rightly uh, uh, was acquitted, but uh, Major League Baseball has been sore about that. You know, they, they, they're they've, they're sore about Alex Rodriguez, you know, admitting that he took steroids and and uh, uh, coming back to, to to play the game. Um, it, it's just I think I think they're trying to show fans that hey, you know, this is how serious we are about cleaning up our game. We're gonna suspend you know two former most valuable players. You know, we're really serious about this. Um, but again, you know, what, what do they really have here? I mean, even this week with, with this uh, story that, you know, they, okay, yeah, they're going to go after these guys and, you know, 50, 50 game suspensions for, for associating with biogenesis and another 50 games for lying about it, uh, which I just cannot imagine yeah. the the, uh, the players' union isn't going to fight fiercely uh, in court. I mean, th- this whole process is going to take so long. If Major League Baseball does issue these suspensions, who knows how long the appeals process uh, is going to take. Um, of course, you know, with Tigers fans, with Johnny Peralta being on that list, you know, th- th- this is something that could affect the uh, affect their pennant drive. You know, the Texas Rangers with Nelson Cruz right. being on that list. You know, those are the two teams uh, that, that seem to be uh, most in jeopardy. But I, I would point to, and maybe you guys have talked about this before. You know, there, there's that process, uh, that minor leaguer in the Tiger system, yeah. Cesar Carrillo, right. Uh, who was suspended? I mean, if you want to see what what baseball is, is resorting to in terms of bully tactics, that guy they got suspended railroaded. this guy. He yeah, got railroaded. For, yeah, suspended him for a hundred games. He doesn't have the protection of the players' union because he's not a major league ball player um, to to, uh, to threaten him like this and, and suspend him for you know a hundred games. You know, just a punitive penalty, really. Right. 
in the I guess in the hopes you know to make an example of him or in the hopes that he'll give up somebody maybe in their investigation. I mean, that was just an an ugly ugly suspension. Uh, really uh, mean spirited. You know, it, nothing necessarily seems to have come with it. Again, it's a minor leaguer, but um, I guess it shows what a uh, uh, major league baseball is willing to resort to in, in this investigation. Yeah, it, it's really coming off as uh, we're declaring you guilty. Uh, you need to prove yourself innocent, but we're not going to give you the opportunity to do that. We're just going to suspend your ass anyway. And what bothers me about this is, pure and simple, there's no dirty needles. Like I said, there's no proof of a of a failed test essentially they're going by as you mentioned the notebook you know this little black book that has names in it and i just the mlbpa is going to go so medieval in major league baseball if they actually <laughs> lay suspensions down and let's say the mlb does end up getting you know they lay the suspensions down and a couple of these guys and these guys miss a couple games you know this is going to end up in federal court there's going to be a an injunction filed, and those guys will be back on the field within a couple of days. You know, and this is good. If if MLB goes to the mat on this, you know the MLBPA is going to as well, and this is going to end up in court. And I agree with you. I don't think the suspensions are going to come down this year, if at all, just because of the legal process. This is not going to be a simple ABC situation. This is going to be an A through Z situation, but it's going to zig through one through twenty before it finally gets to a resolution. And, uh, you know, for all the people worried about Johnny Peralta being suspended, I really think uh, if anything ever does manage to come of this, it probably won't be till next year. So, But let me throw this out there at, at you. And say Peralta does get nailed, he gets suspended, and the Tigers are without a shortstop. What do you think the Tigers do? Uh, I guess you hope uh, that this especially comes down before the trade deadline. <laughs> yeah. um, otherwise... Uh, you know, I guess you have to go with uh, Ramon Santiago. I mean, oh, my God. Just, there are not that many shortstops <laughs> yeah. uh, available. I mean, you know, the best one is uh, probably Alexei Ramirez, and that, there's yeah. no way the White Sox are going to make that trade. Exactly. Um, you, you know, do, do you? otherwise, I think the, the, the equivalent of what's available out there, I mean, you know, the, the, there's just not that many good shortstops out there. We see, we've seen this for the past however many off-seasons, you know, that the Tigers keep wanting to uh, – Upgrade over Johnny Peralta, and that that guy just hasn't uh, mm-hmm. surfaced. And, and you know, fortunately, Peralta's uh, uh, you know with his offensive performance this year has justified the, the Tigers uh, holding on to him and not uh, seeking an upgrade. Um, but there's just not that many shortstops out there. This would be a huge blow to the Tigers. Yeah, yeah. I, I really don't see them making a trade if even if say the, these uh, suspensions do happen to come down before the deadline. Just because of the cost involved, I can't. I just can't see the Tigers paying such a prohibitive cost to replace their shortstop. Uh, and just and considering all the other things we've just talked about, the re- legal ramifications that would be going on, that you may even be, he could come back sooner than 100 games or whatever the suspension ends up being because of uh, the MLBPA uh, contesting this. So I'm sure they could probably some combination of. Uh, Danny Wirth and Ramon Santiago and Perez and Infante, and they can probably get the middle of the infield covered and and hope the rest of the lineup can pick up the offensive slack. But uh, yeah, yeah, it, I mean, it, as long as they get a, a, a good defensive performance there, mm-hmm. I think they'll take you know um, uh, less uh, offensive production if that's what what it ended up being. Yeah, and uh, well, think of it this way: I'm sure Adam Everett's looking for something to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, let's talk about a little more pleasant subject and the All-Star Game, which is coming up shortly. We're uh, a few days away from the All-Star break. Uh, the Tigers have three games left to go. Six Tigers were named to the All-Star Game. Miguel Cabrera is a starter. Prince Fielder, Torrey Hunter, Johnny Peralta, Max Scherzer were all selected by the players, and Justin Verlander was a pick of uh, Jim Leland. Uh, this is the most Tigers to be in the All-Star Game since six Tigers went in 1985, and I believe it was um, Jack Morris, Lou Whitaker, Alan Trammell, Lance Parrish, Willie Hernandez. God, I, I'm forgetting one. Well, it might come to my mind. but uh, yeah. wasn't Kirk Gibson. He's never made an No, All-Star he never made an All-Star game. Yeah, so. Oh, Dan Petrie. It was Dan oh, Petrie. Okay. Yeah, his one All-Star game. And... Uh, and obviously, uh, Joaquin Benoit just missed making the team. He was he was third, I believe, in the AL final vote, which we'll talk about that next, actually. Uh, uh, first of all, let me ask you about uh, Jim Leland picking Justin Verlander. Uh, you was you know a, there's a lot there's there was a lot of deserving uh, pitchers out there who could have taken Verlander's spot, you know, and a lot, especially when it comes to relief pitchers, but. Jim Leland decided that I thought I think this is more of a reward for Justin Verlander. He feels like he is an all-star for it kind of a for what he's done over his career, what he's done over the last several years. Even though he might not have been completely deserving this year, not that he's been awful this year. If you look at his numbers, he's been good. He just not hasn't been great. So, uh, what's your take on uh, Jim Leland uh, taking his ace to the All-Star game, even though he may not have complete All-Star numbers? Yeah, he still has a. Very solid numbers, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I think everybody sort of expects that the all-star manager is going to take a couple of his guys. That's the uh, thing, right there, as as, as a thank you. And, you know, Leland has talked about this uh, uh, earlier in the season. You know that that he gives uh, Verlander uh, a little bit more rope uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to keeping him in the game, as sort of a thank you for for uh, for your years of service, for for your performance, and, and this is. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, another example of that, and, and you know, Verlander's been one of the best pitchers in baseball over the past uh, three, four seasons. I don't think anybody really, even though he's not vintage, uh, maybe he's not an elite starting pitcher this year. Uh, I don't think anybody really has a problem with with uh, Leland putting Verlander uh, on the All Star team. In fact, I think people would expect it. Right. Uh, and just a little sidebar: What's your take on the Verlander's struggles with that little that speed bump he had? Uh, for a handful of starts there, where now his ERA, I think, was over 11 there, you know, and just in those few starts, uh, he uh, he actually ended up confirming that he it was a mechanical thing, and he seems to have corrected it over his last few starts. But uh, I, I think a lot of people were more uh, were I just found I think again we've talked about overreaction in regard to the Tigers. Uh, with the uh, the beanball stuff, I think this in this case uh, there was a huge overreaction from the fan base, uh, thinking Verlander uh, was either washed up or decided <laughs> to get lazy uh, from signing the big contract, and and it was a huge overreaction from the fan base thinking that Justin Verlander was all of a sudden going to be this albatross on the Tigers uh, after like four after three or four bad starts, which uh, I, I guess is one of those things where. I, sometimes I just can't understand the thinking of fans sometimes. No, it's just that immediate overreaction uh, mm-hmm. mentality. I mean, I know we talked early in the season that, you know, there were concerns about his diminished velocity. Mm-hmm. At the time, we thought, okay, well, maybe he's just uh, 
throttling back a bit. You know, right. he knows it's a long season. But then, you know, it did develop, and he really was uh, struggling out there. But we've seen this in the past before. Before he really became, uh, you know, an elite mm-hmm. pitcher, you know, must see JV. You know, he did have problems with his arm slot. Yeah, um, that that was a problem he he fought uh, in spring training and and early in the season. Um, you know, you, you think things like that don't matter, but they're they're crucial. I mean, look at look at Max Scherzer. You know, if yeah. his mechanics aren't flawless, he's just not the same pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but. You know what I what I think I would point to, I don't know if this is actually what's happening, but there's a lot of innings on that arm over uh yeah. the past four seasons. I mean mm-hmm. he's he's not just pitched two hundred innings, he's exceeded. You know, he's he's gone past uh two hundred and twenty five innings really. I mean yeah. in, in twenty eleven he pitched two hundred and fifty one. Uh and, and you know, Verlander earlier in his career also had a problem with, you know, trying to strike everybody out. And, right. and he and Leland would Often clash he- uh, heads, you know. Leland trying to get him to pitch more efficiently, not trying to waste so many pitches, striking everybody out, and maybe that that's uh, kind of caught up with him here. You know, yeah, and it's, it's not just the innings; it's the pitch counts. You know, this is a guy who's, uh, you know, we used to, we would joke that you know, 130 pitches, he's just breaking a sweat. <laughs> but you uh, you do have to remember that yeah, the, you know, those pitches add up. You know, especially over. Uh, when you're playing for a team that's making the playoffs and then you extend in your seasons the way it has. And uh, I, I, I just, I do hope that Verlander is the next uh, Nolan Ryan, who who's just an absolute horse and he, you know, just doesn't get hurt and he can throw that 250 innings every year and it just doesn't make a difference. But, you know, that's what the Tigers must are betting on considering the length of the contract they gave him. Nine and six, three seven one ERA. I mean, his strikeout rate right now is higher than mm-hmm. than it's been over the past three seasons. I mean, you know, he's not twelve and one with a, an ERA near two, but yeah. I mean, he's still outstanding. Yeah, well, and well, think of it this way: uh, Max Scherzer, uh, you know, thirteen and zero, and he's got an ERA over three as well. A lot of t- you know, that's another thing. Fans just tend to look too much at victories rather than the peripherals. Yeah, I mean, you know, you think we'd know better over the past mm-hmm. uh, four or five years. You know, the win has been de-emphasized as a, as a sign of a pitcher's merit. Um, but you know, you still it's it's the it's the shortcut to look at, right? Well, how many yeah. wins does a guy have? Even if you know better, um, you know, the, the good pitchers tend to have uh, good records, double-digit victories. Yeah, it's uh, uh, speaking of Scherzer again. Uh, there has been some luck involved with his undefeated record. Uh, do you think, though, he could make uh, he could end up beating uh, Roy Face's eighteen and one start? Wow, um, it, it's hard to imagine. I mean, I wouldn't have predicted him to go thirteen and zero. I don't think so. I just think that there's too many things that, that can go wrong, especially with this bullpen that the yeah. Tigers have. Um, you know, he. he Scherzer might get his way out of a couple of losses, maybe here and there, or certainly be deprived of some wins. But uh, if if the Tigers did a better job of uh, protecting leads uh, with the bullpen, maybe there would be a little more of a chance of that. But uh, yeah, that, that's just sure he's got a chance, you know, thirteen and zero. But uh, I, I don't think so. Um, what do you think? I'd like to think so, but something's going to happen. You know, a, a bad luck, a, a bad bounce here or there. Uh, and Scherzer's already had a little bit of luck. He's had a couple. Uh, he's had one game where he allowed five runs in five innings, got the win. 
then again, you know, he's also had games where he shut guys out for seven, eight innings and didn't get the decision. So uh, we always say baseball is a funny game, and that's why <laughs> I don't think uh, – he, he he might end up maybe equaling um, – uh, Dave McNally started 15 and 0. I think it was 69. You know, he he might get to that point. I I would not be surprised if he equals Roger Roger Clemens 14 and 0. Then something happens. And if you look at a lot of the guys who started had these great starts like this, you know, 14 and 0, 15 and 0. They ended the season, you know, if not quite the records you would expect. I, you know, I think Dave McNally was ended up like 21 and 7. Uh, I think Clemens won like 23, 24 games and up losing. You know, actually, he probably had one of the better seasons, but there's no guarantee that just because he's got 13 wins now that Max Scherzer is going to end up winning 27 or 28 games. He could very easily struggle to get the 20 for you know baseball luck, or as you brought up earlier, uh, Max Scherzer walks the razor's edge when it comes to his mechanics. And if he's slightly out of whack, he gets battered around like a pinata. Yeah, and I think another thing uh, to, to uh, take into consideration is the second half. Is mm-hmm. uh, you know, Scherzer's never exceeded uh, 200 innings. He's he's mm-hmm. come close. He's got yeah. cracked 195 a few times. But uh, don't be surprised at all in the second half if suddenly you know he, they they skip a turn here and there uh, just to keep him fresh. Uh, and, and you know, looking at the big picture, looking toward the postseason. Mm-hmm. So you know, he 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 might not get. Uh, you know, he, I'm sure he'll still get. 31, 32 starts, something yeah. like that. But, uh, you know, they might try to, to, to watch his innings a little yeah. bit in the second half. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I guess when it all comes said and done, the, the weird part about this, I wouldn't say weird, but, again, the baseball is a funny game part of this, is Roy Face did that, set that record uh, as a relief pitcher. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just how weird baseball is sometimes. It also shows how things have changed in the game of baseball where a relief pitcher can get 18 wins. Wow, he was a reliever, huh? Yeah, he was I mean, a reliever. He must have been the all-time vulture. <laughs> to say the very least, you know. And uh, I, in some ways, I kind of missed that. Not, I was, I was really kind of refreshed in when the way Jim Leland was using uh, Drew Smiley there for a few weeks with the with the two and three innings at a time. You know, having them bringing him in the seventh, having them close out the game. You know, kind of a an old school. Uh, uh, Aurelio Lopez or, or Willie Hernandez. Uh, unfortunately, the way the Tigers' bullpen has shook out, uh, Smiley's become the eighth inning setup guy. He's only going inning at a time, so he can use him more often. But I don't know about you, Ian, but I kind of miss some of the, the way old-school bullpens used to run, where guys would come in and, you know, you'd have a relief pitcher that wouldn't throw 60 innings. He'd throw 120 innings. Yeah, I mean, you see some of the the older uh, relievers and the mm-hmm. innings totals that they piled up. Yeah, even like uh, Guillermo Hernandez. I mean, it's astounding. You know, they, now relievers, you know, typically put in you know seventy innings or so. Yeah, I agree with you with Smiley. I think it would have been cool for him to be kind of a, used as an old school uh, reliever. Uh, you know, another thing too is that you know what we used to see is that starting pitchers. That's how they used to get broken in. They would yeah. pitch. They would yeah. be the long man. I mean, I still. Remember, I, I couldn't point to the game. I mean, I have to pull it up on Baseball Reference. Like Kevin Apier, when he mm-hmm. pitched for the Royals, he got absolutely crushed when yeah. he came in in long relief uh, in a game against the Tigers. You think he was one of the worst pitchers ever, mm-hmm. and he, you know, ended up turning into uh, a, a, an excellent starting pitcher for them for many years. I mean, that's just the way uh, baseball teams used to break in their starters back then. Yeah, and I know what's interesting too, Ian, is that it's very possible 
for all the talk that Drew Smiley is the uh, will end up in the Tigers' rotation sooner than later, if nothing changes and there's no trades made and uh, uh, no one gets hurt, Smiley will be in the bullpen again next year. Yeah, and the, um, they're fortunate that they, that they have him around yeah. to do that. But yeah, I mean, the, the starting rotation, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Obviously, but you know, five spots really spoken for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smiley can help this team much more uh, in the bullpen. I, I don't think it would it would be a surprise, uh, especially I'm sure Jim Leland and Smiley, I'm sure himself, you know, would, would love to have that issue settled going yeah. into spring training so he can concentrate on, on being just a reliever. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and a guy like Drew Smiley, I'm sure he's just happy to just be in the big leagues and pitching. He's pitching damn well. And what? And one more uh, thing before we move on to the final vote controversy. I wanted, I, I wanted to ask you this. I know I asked, I talked, we, Kurt and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but since I got you here, why don't you bring you up, uh, ask you about Max Scherzer being that uh, Scherzer's in line. If you know, if things go the way they're looking right now, you know, right now he's a Cy Young candidate, on track to win 20 games. He's in the prime of his career. He's 20 years old. Has one year left on his contract. He's on. He's in line, especially Scott Boris being his agent <laughs> for a six-figure deal. He's going to make 100 million dollars. He's going to make more than Annabelle Sanchez, I'm guessing. Just so, what if you're the Tigers? What do you do? Then there's really only three options. Do they? Play about play out the contract and then let him walk in free agency and then take the draft pick in return. Do you do you bite the bullet and offer up another monster contract? Considering Cabrera is going to be due for an extension, that would leave the Tigers with five huge uh, contracts. Literally five guys making a hundred million dollars. Or do you trade him? And the time to trade Scherzer would be this coming offseason while he still got that year left in his contract. So, what would you do if you're the Tigers? I don't think anybody should be surprised if Dave Dombrowski chooses uh, the last option. Yeah, the trade? Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he's shown a willingness to do that before. Um, this is something, uh, you know, I, I've been proven wrong by Annabelle Sanchez's performance this season, but mm-hmm. this is what made me nervous about giving him that contract to begin with, Yeah, that it was going to cost them somebody. And it may very well be Max Scherzer. Now, maybe this is me speaking as a fan, but I mean, I certainly want them to to sign Scherzer, and I think uh, you know to to have two uh, top tier starters, uh, they're not going to be competitive without those two guys. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Anibal Sanchez is getting paid like that kind of starter, but I think really, you know, right, he's what a number three, a number four. That's what most uh, of us thought when he was acqu- when he was acquired. Yeah, yeah, uh, and maybe he's exceeded uh, those uh, projections, but I, I think. Uh, Given what they, you know, that they traded for him as well, he, he's. You certainly, I think, you want to sign him before he becomes a, yeah. a free agent, because, like you said, once if he hits the open market with with Scott Boris uh, as his agent, that seems extremely likely. Um, if the Tigers can nip that in the bud and, and sign him to an, an extension before that, you know, given the, uh, the the Tigers have a good relationship with Boris, uh, I think they're really going to try to sign him, re-sign him. Uh, but yeah, you know, at the end of the season, you know, his trade value is never going to be higher. Exactly, and that—that's the tempting part. Seeing some of the the holes in this team, especially you know, uh, Johnny Peralta is going to be a free agent. Uh, Omar Bondi is going to be a free agent. Uh, you know, we, we you know, the, there could be an upgrade used in uh, one of the corner outfield spots, and you know, because uh, Torrey Hunter is only going to be around for another year. 
you, just to think that what you might be able to get in return for a pitcher as talented as Max Scherzer, uh, it, you know, and you, and we're not talking – you don't trade Max Scherzer for prospects. You trade Max Scherzer for guys who are going to start for you at the major league level. The thought of what you might be able to get for Scherzer, if you do decide to take that risk and trade him, uh, you you, could, you should be able to get – I mean, plug two or three holes of, of what, what you could get in return, don't you think? At least plug two or three holes or at least get the shortstop of the future, yeah. you would hope, uh, for Scherzer. I mean, the, the Dombrowski has to at least explore that option. I'm sure he will if he hasn't already. Um, yeah, like you said, just the possibility of, of plugging uh, – Multiple holes. I mean, I completely agree with you. You don't trade Max Scherzer for prospects. That's not where this team is. Exactly. Um, but you, you, you trade him to, to take care of, of shortstop and maybe you know left field, depending on what happens with uh, Nick Castellanos being ready to take one of those spots. Um, but you know, this is an opportunity the Tigers have, and, and they, they have to explore all their options. Yeah, but there's always the Mike Illich factor. He loves stars. He loves to reward people for what we they've hear done. We hear it every offseason. He's going to yeah. die any minute. Yep, and he's going to spend that inheritance on his players, and that's all. That's that's always the. That's what's the word? Sorry, it's honest. You know. Yeah, you know, it's the World Series here. You know, because we've seen it for Red Wings. You know that. He's willing to pay people for what they have done, not for necessarily what they might do. So that may happen with uh, Scherzer, but I wouldn't be so worried about Scherzer considering his age. Uh, I don't see him turning into Barry Zito or anything like that. But uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason just to watch that situation. Unless the Tigers sit right out and say, we're not trading them, we're going to work on an extension. You know, or And then if they don't get the extension, then for agency's in play. Yeah, All right. Yeah, I'm starting on the wall there. When we saw that with Curtis Granderson. Yeah. Um, you know, there are plenty of rumblings, you know, uh, Lynn Henning maybe being sort of a mouthpiece there. Yep. Yeah. Um, I remember everybody said Lynn Henning was crazy that the Tigers are going to trade Curtis Granderson. And then, then they did. <laughs> yep. Yep. And no one saw it coming other than him. And as you said, I'm sure he was getting leaks. He was getting leaks from somewhere on the team. So, but it'll be interesting to see if that, if that starts popping up uh, this coming October. So I guess we'll see. All right, let's talk about the uh, the final vote before we wrap things up, Ian. Uh, the, it was announced today uh, the winners are Atlanta's Freddie Freeman and Toronto's Steve Delabar, uh, who are going to be in the game. And the shocking part was is that uh, Yashiel Pig Quig did not win the vote, and he looked like he, this was all set up for, for Quig to make it into the All-Star game. Uh, it seemed like uh, you know, all the media outlets were, were pimping him, uh, ESPN was, uh, you know, just fawning all over uh, over Quig, yet he didn't get in. So, uh, what do you think happened? Do you think people bought the argument that a lot of that some were throwing out there that he didn't deserve to be an All Star because he's only been in the major leagues a little over a month, or is there something else going on here? There's probably some backlash uh, against Puig. You know, like you said, just the media jumping on this and making it seem like it was a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Um, I also think, however, though, that the uh, five final vote candidates in the National League uh, w- w- was a, a pretty a strong competition. Oh, I mean, definitely. It, the other four players uh, all deserve to, to be on that team, and I think maybe that's that's uh, one reason why Puig didn't make it. I mean, uh, all of those guys got support, and then you have you know the teams uh, teaming up with each other to do these dumb. Uh, Co, you know, like we saw with uh, Brandon Inge and Shane Victorino years ago, right? Brand Torino and wherever it was. Um, 
I am surprised Puig didn't win it. Um, but you know, he he just uh, th- this th- he's only played what thirty some games. I, this this whole thing was a concession. Like, okay, you guys want to mm-hmm. see Puig? Put your money where your mouth is. Okay, he's a final vote candidate, and he didn't win it. So you know, what, what more can baseball do, really? Yeah. Unless he's named as an injury replacement, which could very well happen. But I, I, you know, is he deserving even then? I'm not so sure. Yeah, and the, I kind of, where you fall on the. Uh, can he be an all-star despite only playing a little over a month? I would throw out the argument then that then Brennan Bosch should have been an all-star in 2010. If you're going to do that. I had not thought about that. That is an excellent point. I mean, what is the all-star game? I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's obviously it's a, it's a career award for some people. I mean, just, you know, the, the, the best of the best at that given time, uh, that given season. I mean, you know, in, in some cases it's a reward for a great first half. Um, and of course, ultimately, it's an exhibition game. If fans wanted to see Puig in the game, I don't, I don't think it, it would have been a bad thing uh, if he was in the game. You know, obviously, he takes a spot away from somebody who might be a little more deserving. But it's an exhibition, despite what Bug Teal wants us to think. Uh, and, and if that's who the, the fans wanted to see, they wanted to see Puig. I think it would have been really fun. You know, I'm sure plenty of fans haven't gotten to see him play since he plays uh, for the Dodgers. A lot of those games starting, you know, at 10 o'clock Eastern. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, th- th- there is a, a little bit of a precedent, even though he pay- he played many more games. But, I mean, look how hard baseball uh, worked to get Bryce Harper into the All-Star game yep. last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, very similar situation, even though, again, Harper played uh, many more games. You know, if baseball wants to get somebody in the game, I, I-, I think they can. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I guess uh, the it's just the hypocrisy I see in this is what's bothering me that Major League Baseball seems to be gaming who they can try to get into the game. Yet it counts, and I think that's what really bothers me. And and you know, uh, I, you know it, it shouldn't count. I think I just find that absolute BS. But you know, I I, I wouldn't argue if uh, if we got into the game. You know, as you mentioned, be a, a injury replacement or if he had won the final vote. You know, because that's who fans want to see. So, um, so I guess it would bother me is that Major League Baseball is trying to have it both ways, and it ends up ticking people off on both sides of the equation. Actually, the the AL final vote candidates mm-hmm. make me far angrier <laughs> than anything <laughs> about Puig. Yeah. Five middle relievers. I mean, if I was Bud Selig, I would have gone to Jim Lee and said, you got to be kidding me with this. Mm-hmm. You know, he you got Evan Longoria. Well, and he probably said, screw you. So <laughs> He might have. But, I mean, you have, you know, Evan Longoria, jo- Josh Donaldson, Adrian Beltre. I mean, you yeah. couldn't put at least one of those position players uh, among the final vote candidates. Steve Delabar? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, he's having a great season, obviously. Uh, but, you know, the, the Blue Jays already got one of their setup guys uh, on the team in, in Brett Cecil. Uh, you know, it would have been neat to see, uh, as a Tigers fan, to see Benoit get that. But five middle relievers in an all-star game? And yeah. when you have all these starting pitchers, you know, the starting pitchers only going to go maybe two innings anyway. Mm-hmm. Then all you have is middle relievers <laughs> for the rest of the game. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think uh, this is Jim Leland's thinking? I have a team that could be in the World Series. I want to win the all-star game so we get home field. And so I think I want a middle reliever. <laughs> to help me get through the middle innings to Mariana Rivera. Uh, I actually had <laughs> considered that. That's a conspiracy theorist in me. You're right. You're right. I mean, he's he's uh, looking at this as, hey, I want to win this game. Yeah. 
Um, th- th- this could, uh, yeah, this could be crucial uh, in the postseason. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. That, that. that that's a that's an excellent way of looking at this. I just as a fan, I just yeah. Oh yeah, shook exactly. My head. Definitely, Gloria should be in a game, pure and simple. You're right. Yeah. Uh, but let me ask you this: Do you do you see a weak backlash coming, or if it hasn't already started? Oh, I think it's definitely started. I mean, uh, uh, as we're recording this, you know, there was that incident with uh, Miguel Montero of the Diamondbacks yeah. uh, chirping to the press. I mean, I think probably he should have kept his mouth shut a little bit. But, you know, the Diamondbacks taking issue with, uh, you know, how Puig was flipping his bat uh, on uh, getting walked. Uh, you know, we saw Jonathan Papelbon publicly yep. say that it would have been a joke if Puig made the All-Star team. Um I don't think this would have been a popular move with players. You know, I think generally, I think you see this in any industry, uh, any job. You know, people uh, want to see uh, those who have paid their dues be rewarded, yeah. rather than you know the brash young upstart. I think there is some uh, some backlash, and Puig is creating some of it himself, of course, by not playing very well uh, over the past week and, and striking out a lot more. So we might see, uh, um, you know, a, a little bit of a downturn uh, in his numbers now that uh, uh, opposing pitching staffs have figured out that he swings at everything. Yeah, exactly. You know, just to bring up the Brennan Bosch uh, uh, comparison again, Puig's going to be a better player. I mean, the Dodgers gave him that big contract for a legitimate reason, but Brennan Bosch's numbers are damn similar. His first half in 2010. He even played more games. He played 65 games in the first half. He hit 342, 397, 593 with a 990 OPS. That, wow. That's all-star. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, of course, in the second half, he hit 163. But, you know, I don't think we're going to see that from Puig. But you're right, Ian. Puig is not going to sustain what he's doing as much as fans hope he can. And he has – there's been a little bit of luck involved. He's made some boneheaded plays that he's been able to pull off because the other team either wasn't ready for it or just didn't execute. I think there's also a factor that, you know, the Dodgers uh, up until July, mm-hmm. uh, the tail end of June, were one of the, the major disappointments, if not the most disappointing yeah. team in baseball. And Puig kind of, you know, came up from the minors and, and was like, you know, not not necessarily their savior, but giving them the jolt that they needed mm-hmm. – uh, a lot of people were watching the Dodgers anyway because of the money they spend. Yeah. So there, there was that aspect to his story as well. Yeah. And what's interesting, I'm already seeing the the backlash to the backlash is one of the tweets on my uh, on Twitter is uh, the media's desperate need to knock Puig down after building him up is kind of disturbing. So the backlash to the backlash has already happened or is not, or starting. So you, you got to keep track of this stuff. It happens fast. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> All right, let's start wrapping up the show as uh, we, we've run long, as e, me and Ian tend to do when we get talking. So uh, old blue hairs. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. We're veterans of the Internet Wars. Uh, this, well, yeah, well, let's knock out the final thoughts. Is there anything else you'd like to bring up, Ian, before we wrap up the show? Anything I haven't covered or may have forgotten to bring up? Uh, I don't know if you guys have been beating this drum uh, a lot recently. but Not the uh, Indian drummer, either. I hope you're not talking about <laughs> Uh, what are the Tigers going to do about Phil Coke? Ah, uh, I, there's a I lot just, of calls for the old DFA. <laughs> I know Phil Coke is, is tremendously popular. You know, he, mm-hmm. the spike last year. You know, he, he's really great with the press, but he has stunk. Yeah, and I just, 
I don't know how much longer the, the Tigers can uh, afford to 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 throw him out there. I mean, do they even need him as a situational lefty anymore? They got Darren Downs. You know, Smiley, of course, is a setup guy now. But I just, I really wonder if we've we're beginning to see the end of of Phil Coke. And I think that's something the Tigers, you know, if there wasn't the distraction of of the Leland and six players going to the All-Star game, if if that's something that is going to be discussed in the organization over that four-day break. Yeah, yeah, because his ERA is is north of 12 after he had a disastrous appearance today. Uh, What, he faced, uh, I think, five batters, a lot of home run, and three walks. So, uh, yeah, it's... And the question is, you're right. When Darren Downs comes off the DL, is is Phil Coke a candidate to be released? I'd say yes. I think you're onto something there. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, nobody'd like to see it uh, yeah. in terms of uh, his popularity, but you know, you can be real, uh, as we've seen with we've um, probably most recently with Brandon Inge, you can mm-hmm. be really popular, but if you are not producing, um, you know, the Tigers have to get somebody in there. They're just you know, it's costing them too many games. Their bullpen, you yeah. know, they they're finally getting the back end uh, shaped up with uh, Benoit and Smiley, but they they need to get those middle uh, innings uh, uh, shaped up. And, and I just feel Coke is not pitching like a guy who uh, uh, is going to be on a, a panic contending team right now. Yeah, you used to be able to make the argument that he'd at least be uh, a loogie, uh, and right now he's not even getting left-handed batters out. So. That's definitely a situation that Bears watching as the trade deadline uh, bears down because I, I'm I'm almost positive the Tigers are going to uh, if they they're going to make a deal and it's going to be for a couple of relief arms and a couple guys are going to catch the short end of the stick and Phil Coke is the most logical one to do so you know so yeah and, and this you know they've made tough decisions before I mean mm-hmm. uh, you know Chris Shelton see ya yeah uh, back back in '06 you know you never would have thought he would have got sent down, but they had a chance to upgrade uh, uh, with with Sean Casey. And, I and think he was, he, and he was an upgrade. He was an upgrade, and you know, like you said, I don't think you know the Tigers may not get the capital C closer, mm-hmm. but they're going to get at least, I think, two or one to two uh, outstanding uh, setup men. You know, enough guys are out there. And then, yeah, if somebody has to squeeze, be squeezed out, you know, let's choose the guy with the ERA near six. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's uh, not no, not that Darren Downs has been anything lights out. His ERA is over five too, but uh, he has been better than and Coke. And you know, situational lefties are not a vital, uh, not that vital of a thing to have. The Tigers should be able to scramble to come up someone. They may just find a guy via trade, just you know, do it that way. So it's going to be. Uh, but you're right. Uh, Phil Coke's got to be worried about his uh, his baseball future because right now it's not looking very good. All right, let me add. Uh, I, I know I caught a little bit of grief uh, for this in, in my recap, but I called out Tigers fans today for for booing Alexi Ramirez uh, after the because uh, after the hullabaloo he caused, he left the game via injury, and Tigers fans cheered, and that really bothered me because there's one thing that bothers me is uh, no, I don't mind you booing a guy, you know for you know if he had stayed on the field because of all the stuff he had caused and you booed more power to you. Boo away at the umpires, they had it coming. I'm just not a fan when fans boo people who get injured. That really just comes off as uh, Philly-esque, you know, like a Philadelphia <laughs> fan. You know, that's, you know, you know, and people are, well, maybe they didn't know. He was hurt, the trainer was out there, he left the game limping, he was injured, and fans cheered. That does not look good, and that's not the kind of fan base I want to see with the Tigers. So, 
I mean, the emotions were running high today in that game, and I can understand the fans need to vent. I just wish they would have found a different way to do so. Cause I'm just not a fan of booing injured players. It just makes me feel skeevy. So please don't do it, fans. Don't boo guys who You're get better hurt. than that. Yes, thank you. So, uh, all right. Be that as it may, I think it's time to wrap up this podcast. Because if Kurt was with us, he'd probably be falling asleep by now. So. <laughs> all right. So, uh, once again, Ian, where can uh, the listeners find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at IanCast. That's I-A-N-C-A-S-S. And uh, I write uh, during the week uh, for The Outside Corner, theoutsidecorner.com. Yes, and be on the lookout for your new venture, which should hopefully be starting soon. Hopefully next week. All right. Uh, for us at Best Blue Boys, you can find Allison at No Run Support on Twitter. You can find Kurt at Running the Bless You Boys account at Bless You Boys. He's also at BYB Kurt. You can find me on Twitter at Big Al BYB. And, of course, you can find Kurt and Rob at times do run the SB Nation account at SB Nation. MLB. I think Rob's actually running that tonight. Yes, he is. Yeah. yeah. So and he's very entertaining on Twitter. So that's a good. That's a really a good follow. Kurt does it on Sundays. I believe Rob does it on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So um, follow SB Nation MLB. All right, let's wrap up the show. So, uh, so uh, we'll probably have a little earlier podcast next week because we'll, we'll, we'll squeeze it in during the All Star break, and we have to find a time when Kurt can do it, which means it'll be early in the week, and we'll we'll, get, we'll probably shoot for a. A season recap or something, unless some sort of hell breaks loose again in the Texas series, if the Tigers seem to be on a roll of getting shenanigans. So, but be on the lookout for it probably sometime before Wednesday. So, until that time next week, this is Al Beaton saying good night and good luck, along with Mr. Ian Castleberry. Thanks so much for having me on, and uh, welcome back to Detroit, Mr. Big Shot. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, John C. Phillips coming back to Detroit, but we'll have to save that for another podcast, but not the next Place You Boys podcast. That's good advice. Thanks, big fella.